Welcome to the Hoops Galore podcast with your host Jackson St. Fort and Zidani Petuta. In this show, we break down the game, we discuss offense, defense, and team fits. Everything hoops, we got you covered. It's your guy Zidani Petuta. We're going to be talking all things basketball, keeping it versatile like a coach does, all while having some fun. Welcome to the show. What's up, everybody? We have special guests in the house today, and we have Solo, co-host of the New Rivals podcast. Check him out on Spotify. And if you want to find out more about Solo, we'll have his Twitter handle in the show notes, at Poppy Solo Tweets, and we'll have it in the show notes. Solo, what's up, man? We know you're a big Nets fan. Mm. Man, we, we're happy to have you on. We're doing six surprising teams. Say what's up to the people. Man, I am so grateful to be on this podcast and just be given a platform to spread my Nets propaganda. I know there's a lot of drama going on, but I truly, truly believe this roster still has what it takes, minus, you know, a couple key pieces and Ime and Kyrie coming back. But boy, oh boy, when they do come back, the league is in trouble. But brought me on here for my two surprising teams so far. I can't say the Nets, sadly. They have not been surprising me. I'm sure they will later on. But <laughs> I have one team from the East. I started in the East that I okay. slept on. And in, in my podcast, I had them in like, you know, maybe a six seed or so. And my co-host Peyton had them as a two seed. And right now they're playing like they could be a two seed. And that's the Atlanta Hawks. I was not sure how Trey Young and DeJounte Murray were going to work. But so far, so good. Now, what I will say is they haven't had the stiffest competition yet. They've been beating up on some subpar teams, and I need to see them win games against contenders. They've lost against the Bucks. The Raptors beat them as well, but they've been playing great basketball. It's uh, Dante Murray is averaging 22, 6, and 8. I thought him doing something similar in Spurs was just him playing good on a bad team. But it looks like even on a good team, he can still put up those numbers. And I'm super surprised. But I'm most surprised about DeJounte is he's shooting 36% from three. For me, he was one of those players who was mostly inside, mostly around the mid-range. But he's really pulling that thing from three with on six attempts. That's the highest he's shot since his rookie year, where he shot 39%, but only on 0.6 attempts. So he's taking more threes. He's hitting more threes. He's allowing the Hawks spacing to still work, despite putting him in that starting lineup. And Trey Young is being Trey Younger of course, averaging 28 points and 9.4 assists. And this is kind of a Trey slump because he's shooting 30% from three, which is kind of low to Trey standard. So the Hawks right now looks like they're working. I need to see them string some key wins together, but they might really be a threat in the East when it's all said and done. Now, my West team, I also slept on in the offseason. Shout out to my boy, Rose City Boy, on Twitter. Huge Blazers fan. I was a doubter. I thought they might be a lottery team. I thought Anthony Simons was not him, and I was wrong. Anthony's averaging 22 points and damn near four assists. I, mm -hmm. I am shocked, bro. I am shocked. He's shooting 43% from the field, 37 from three, lighting it up. We all seen those games where he was hit like six in a row or something like that. Like When I first um, saw Anthony, it was in a dunk contest. I'm like, oh, he's one of those dudes who can just dunk, and that's it. Turns out I was wrong. He's a hooper, and he might be able to be that number two option. And let me not forget about Jeremy Grant. I was like, Jeremy Grant, he's the piece to, to help Dame stay in, in Portland? 
Well, he's been doing his thing, bro. Averaging 17.9, almost 18 points, four rebounds. I would love for him to attack the, the board a little bit more. Four is kind of kind of low, but he's shooting 39% from neat three. And that's always key. And, and you know, this generation's league is, is having a good clip from three. So, man, those, those Blazers are looking like they might be a top team, especially in a Western conference that's so open right now with teams like the Warriors underperforming, the Suns getting hurt. The West is wide open. And I think the Blazers could really, really, be a threat you know what when atlanta made the trade mm -hmm. uh the belief was that trey young would play more free he'll play yeah. more like a, a two combo guard and i didn't know about the team success but what i can attest to is that trey young was gonna have a better season than the season in the past where he's constantly on ball mm -hmm. he's never taking a, a break on the offensive side now it's, it's a lot more dynamic i'm not surprised by the trey young ascension and improvement this season are you surprised by DeJounte Murray playing so well though or do you see that coming yes. as well I'm Zidane so said yes I'm not yeah. I'm gonna tell you why he comes from a great system he does and we know it's a great system because even the uh, assistant coaches that are leaving and going to coach elsewhere they're having success mm -hmm. he comes from a system that's all about ball movement which is why Keldon Johnson played so good with DeJounte versus when DeJounte wasn't playing and he's a two-way player yeah. If you're a two-way player, you're long, perfect sidekick, perfect partner to put next to a, a undersized Trey Young in NBA standard. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree on that. For my take for like DeJounte Murray was, I thought he was going to take like a back seat a little bit mm -hmm. to Trey Young this year. And it really hasn't been the case. He's had like primary like guard ball handling and then like him and Trey Young were like switch off and usage. And I, I didn't expect just as much usage from DeJounte Murray as like as he's producing, which now you know ATL like okay let's, let's let's face it right they literally have like two all stars now yeah you know I didn't know if Dejounte with Trey Young will be an all star but he would help Trey Young a lot so it is surprising me as far as that like yo Dejounte might be an all star this year man solo Mind can me. I be honest yeah I don't think Atlanta is gonna keep this up I'm sorry man I was also I, thinking I just, I'm not be buying it because you have teams be in the East that are like still figuring out, you know, team chemistry and of course, you know, new players, new philosophy style. Like I, I think once these teams ramp up, it's over for them. Can you name me all the teams in the East better than the Hawks? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And when you say name, are you saying eight so that they're not in that playoff contention or just a no? Few? Just I, I, I want to see your barometer of how good you think they are because I don't think they're the greatest. But I do think they're better than teams like Philly. I do think the teams better than teams like Chicago. I think they're better than teams like Toronto. And, you know, I think they're up there in that Cavalier tier, which I think is a very, very good team. We've seen time and time again that all it takes is a little bit of luck and you're playing against injured teams and boom, you're in the NBA finals. And with DeJounte Murray playing at an all-star level, having two all-stars and then role players like DeAndre Hunter – out there doing this thing. John Collins still being impactful. Capella, you know, grabbing rebounds and catching live. That's a really good team. And, you know, uh, Hunter and DeJounte Murray perimeter defense is some lockdown defense. I can see them, you know, being a top tier team, and I really can't. Here's hey. the thing. I love that you brought up Hunter because we want to believe that Hunter is a player you can rely on. Mm -hmm. And at this moment, I just don't believe it. John Collins is a player that's really good, but we really don't know who he is as a player because he's playing next to guards that 
primarily have the ball all the time. He's not a pick and pop big where, you know, he's coming to to set a screen up top and he's popping behind that three point or or even mid range. He's not that guy. And when the when the offense slows down in the playoffs, I don't think he so here's the teams. I, I'll I'll say this about one ahead. more point about the Hawks. One more point about the Hawks. I think that they're coming back a little bit hungrier this year. Yep. Um, and because they were a first round exit last year, and Miami like pretty much like embarrassed them with their defense. So I think the Atlanta Hawks are gonna be hungrier this year. But I think they're gonna be a really good regular season. We're gonna see like how it works out towards the end of the year, like start the playoffs. But they're gonna be hungrier this year, man. Very I'll much. give you this since you're a Brooklyn fan. Before mm-hmm. I name you my teams. If you watch just the game, right, you know when Ben Simmons and Claxton is in, the spacing yeah. is not there. It does not exist. Yeah. So yeah. one thing I told Zidani on a, a conversation either off the podcast or on sure. is that there are times where Kevin Durant likes to get in his mid-range. Mm-hmm. He likes to put the ball on the floor and rise up over his defender and starts to warm up and get into rhythm with his mid-range. I think maybe the day after, Kevin Durant said those exact words. Tonight, I was able to get in my mid-range. Why Ben Simmons was not playing. I say mm-hmm. that to say that having Clint Compella and John Collins could be a problem long-term because, yes, you have shooters, but when the game slows down in the offense or after the all-star break, yes, you're going to have some issues there. But here are my teams that Ooh, that's a good um, point. I think are better than the Hawks. Yes. I think Miami is better than the Hawks. Disagree. I I think the Bucks. I think Boston yeah. easily. I think Cavaliers are better than the Hawks. And let's be fair, the Cavaliers have been playing without Darius Garland. They have. And he came back the other night. He had 29 points and 12 assists, 5 for 11 beyond the arc. His first game back. So whatever version of Cleveland you saw before Darius Garland, please, let's not measure them by that. So those are my, my top of mind. And then Brooklyn, I have to throw in there. Because once a new coach comes in and establishes his system, establishes his philosophy, and changes the defensive scheme, they'll look like an actual NBA team and not a team that's playing at the park. If you look at their why offense, do you, why do you put Miami on that list? So um, I understand you're a fan, but they're not playing well enough to be listed with those other teams. Mm. Brooklyn's not playing well enough. I have to wow. be fair. I, we, I, I agree. We, we have to go. Hold on. Hold on. We have to <laughs> think about this. We okay. got to think about, it's just like Golden State last year. Nobody saw them winning, right? We yeah. got to look at the track record. What does yeah. the track record say about these teams? Do they start off slow? Do they wrap right. up 20 games in? You know, mm-hmm. who is... I'll, I'll say this about Miami, Jack. Hold on. Go I, ahead. I'll talk about I'll represent Miami, you know? Started him up. Please. All those points were great. And I think that Miami started off really fast last year they were in first place last year and they were playing really good basketball pretty much consistently last year but I think that it's kind of getting redundant this year and I think that they got smaller they didn't like their their loss is PJ Tucker but it's not a big loss it's that they didn't Mm -hmm. do anything in the offseason and they're now like they're relying on internal growth that's gonna be slow in the beginning of the year and so I don't know. This Heat team is confusing because they can end up being like a Celtics team of last year where they start off really bad and can really bounce back and find their form. Honestly, man, I, I as a Miami fan, it's hard to have a lot of faith, but I, I think that I think that they'll be like, all right. And they look extra small. Yeah, I think like um, 
Well, which I, is concerning. I think what Jay said is, or oh, I forgot which one of you said the Hawks look hungrier. And after losing to the Heat, I think they made enough improvements when getting to Jonte Murray, which is, you know, virtually an all-star, while the Heat didn't make much changes at all. And I think right. the league shifts and, and improves so quickly that if you don't keep up, you can find yourself at that six seed, that seven seed very quickly. And I, I also want to circle back to the your DeAndre Hunter slander, which I just could not believe. You said he's not consistent. He's shooting 42% from the arc this season. And I understand John Collins is shooting um, very poorly right now at 25%, but his his career percentage is somewhere around the league averages. And I would never compare John Collins to Ben Simmons when it comes to shooting. Like that's a huge extreme. So I'm not a Hawks believer yet, but I do think that they have the pieces. And if Trey can be efficient, and not a shot chucker in the playoffs that they can make some real noise. And I could see them even giving, you know, the Bucks an issue, not, not beating them or anything like that. But I, saw, I could also see them being better than the Boston Celtics, who I think people are underestimating how big an impact losing Ime really is. We, we saw them lose that huge lead to Chicago, and that's a coaching thing. So I, I don't believe in the Celtics either. I think a lot of their teammates seeing Ime come to Brooklyn you know, kind of affects someone on an emotional level. And I love it because I'm praying for the Celtics downfall every day of my life. So I, I think it's amazing. And I think the Hawks might be a top three team in the East, man. I'm just I'm just telling y'all right now. But I'll, I'll be back, you know, in the future during the season to back, back up these takes. Don't y'all worry. All right, Solo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you better hey, come they're going back. Big. They're going big. That's the trend right now, man. Yep, it's, it's big, bro. Man, and going big like the Celtics did it last year, it's been the trend to survive in the regular season. Yep, the Nets are trying to do that, but Ben just can't become his, his old self yet. But they got Royce, they got Ben, they got Nick, they got well, Utah. You, go you, need, you need versatility with shooting. Like you need yeah. versatility with bigs. You can't you can't have two non-shooters in the twenty twenty two season in your lineup like, as as your bigs as a four yeah. or five. That's what I don't I don't want to get off track, but that's why I think the Nets need to trade for a stretch five and make Nick Clash yes, a, a permanent please. backup. So, talking about Jake Carter? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm talking about you know Miles Turner. I would even put PJ Washington at the five. I would put Mo Bamba. There's a certain certain moves I would make. I would love Jonas Balanchunas, but I know the Pelicans aren't aren't, aren't shopping him. So there, there are there are some moves I would love to make, but you know that's up to Sean Marks to pick up that phone and make. Can I be real with you? Mm -hmm. as, as a as a fan GM, I wanted Brooklyn to either pick up. Mo Bamba or Bobo mm -hmm. this season because I, I yeah. think both are interchangeable. Bo looks and good. They, they give you a unique skill set okay. and the the height and the width span, the length mm -hmm. to really do some some special things on the court. I like when they say Claxon's more tall, man, because it just sticks with me every time now that I think about it because it's like, <laughs> it, it's like, yo, they need more girth. Like they, yeah. you know, having yeah. KD, Ben Simmons and, uh, and Clack is just like, it's tall, man. You gotta that, get that's three forwards. It's virtually three forwards. Like we need yeah. somebody that's solid, rock solid. And unfortunately, that's that's not a diamond dozen in this league. There's only a few guys yeah. that could fill that role. Because we need we need um a stretch five that can also rebound. So like we're asking for a lot. And I don't know if one player can fill that hole. We might need a couple players to, to, to fill those roles. But I do think the Nets are trying to trend through that bigger wing-oriented, stronger kind of lineup like Boston did in the past, like the Hawks are doing now. Because that, that's the future of the NBA. Or that's the present of the NBA, if I should say. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm going to jump in here with my two. And I'm, I'm going to do a, a top-down strategy, right? Mm -hmm. in, in recent years, we've talked about, you know, 
surprising players. We talked about superstars. But in today's NBA, you're seeing more and more talk about your leader, your coach, the philosophy. We saw it with DeAndre Ayton and Monty Williams, right? We saw it with E-May in Boston. We saw it with Nick Nurse. And Nick Nurse is one of those guys that I was iffy about coming into the season Mm. because he had a lot of young talent. He had an all-star guard that can shoot lights out. But then he had this rookie that basically had no ceiling, right? And, you know, when when you go back to that championship run with Kawhi, his partner at that time was Pascal Siakam. And my reservations with Nick Nurse was, was he going to be able to put Scotty Barnes in his spots to really flourish his second season? Anyone and everyone could tell you, like, yo, this guy is, he's athletic. He's NBA ready. He's just a, a man playing amongst boys at, what, 20 years old? So I knew Pascal Siakam could play. I knew Fred, Fred Van Vliet can really play in Gary Trent Jr. And they had, you know, some great pieces, Precious Achua. But my big problem, my big question mark was, are you going to be able to set up Scotty Barnes for success? So my first team to a surprising start is the Toronto Raptors because I feel like they are trending upward. If you look at their starting roster, after Fred Van Vliet, everybody is 6'7 and taller. And you saw it in the Brooklyn game where, they really gave Brooklyn a problem because of their size. Yes, Pascal Siakam had a great night, but, I mean, with KD and Kyrie going for, what, 75 points combined? And for them to pull off that win, I have to give credit where credit is due. And I think that Nick Nurse is doing a good job this season to start off um, with this roster. Yes, they've gotten a blow with um, two injuries back-to-back, Fred Blenby and Pascal. But once those guys get back, and, and the other guys get more comfortable in their roles. I know Chris Grusher is sometimes, like, not sure. He's in doubt, like, okay, what is my role? You know, Michael Flynn, all guys that can play. You know, Gary Trent Jr., one minute he scores 20, next minute, you know, he's just out there playing defense. And, you know, there's, there's still work to be done, but I think they're trending in the right direction. And that's my first team in the Eastern Conference that I believe is off to a surprising start. They're fifth in the East. And another thing I want to say is that this is a team that they have about three to four guys that can score 20. I didn't m- mention OG, but OG is, OG is one of those guys also that's really pivotal to their success. And he's also 6'7". And then you got 6'9", six, 6'9". Nine, six, nine. And I think sky's the limit for this team. I was iffy on them, but seeing them play, I was like, wow, this team, they, they got a chance. I don't know how deep they can go, but they have a chance. I do have a question for you. Um, do you mm-hmm. think they'll finish higher than the Hawks in the seeding? I, absolutely. And if wow. I'm wrong, wow. I'm wrong. But wow. right now, because of, first of all, the chemistry that they have, Hawks yeah. still have to figure it out. They have their same guys, right? And coaching, better coaching as, as well. I think Toronto is in the same conversation with Milwaukee in the sense of they're off. They they have a chance to be really good because they have the same guys. There's less figuring out. I'm not saying talent wise, but just in that context of just the 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 familiarity of of the game with that roster, I think that gives them a, a competitive advantage. Yeah, I, I actually love that pick in the um, off season when Nets had more drama. When Katie requested a trade, that was one of my top you know uh, scenarios because I'm a huge Scotty Barnes fan. 
Uh, he just, you, you can tell that he can do everything on the court and he's only getting better. So yeah, that was one team where I'm like, hey, if KD wants to get traded, I wouldn't mind a trade you're built around Scotty Barnes. So we're talking about teams that are big. I feel like they were one of the first teams to even succeed with that kind of lineup. So yeah, man, Toronto is never a team you can sleep on. Yeah, Toronto, like always, it always feels like you want Toronto to fall off and they always mm-hmm. feel like they're consistent. They bring back the same group a lot of years, but like by bringing different forwards and centers, I was really excited about that Otto Porter Jr. addition. He's just starting to get acclimated with the Raptors. I was excited about different guys that they uh, bring in, like uh, Coloco. I don't know if I'm saying his last name right, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, he... Uh, he, he's been playing really well for them, too. So Raptors are consistent and have really well, uh, good coaching. So my second team is led by Will Hardy. He's also from San Antonio Spurs coaching regime. He, he coached there for 11 years. And then he coached side-by-side with, guess who? Ime Udoka last season. Yeah. So when he got hired, I mean, you knew this guy had put in the work. He had built his coaching philosophy brick by brick. And when you watch the Utah Jazz play, if you like just to watch who and you're not you're not attached to any superstar or you know you just want a good basketball game watch the utah jazz play wow the plays that they call is just basketball 101 102 103 it makes sense and because of just the science of it they're seven and three they're second in the western conference they beat la by what 14 uh the other night la stinks though (laughs) yeah yeah, but when you watch the game, like I, mm-hmm. I, I watched the, the playback, Utah is a team that believes in the extra pass. Mm-hmm. When you see a guy like Kelly Olenek come up to set that screen and pop out for the three, Jordan Clarkson is already going in, right? And he has two options. He can pop it back out to Kelly Olenek or he can pass it to a Malik Beasley in the corner or a Mike Conley or a Colin Sexton. This is a team that plays basketball the right way. And I think that starts with the coaching. I think very early on, we've seen a team that bought into a system. They're playing for each other. They're playing hard. I mean, if if we look at the wins that they have, they're grabbing about 40 plus, sometimes even 52 rebounds. Wow. And then wow. The, if you look at the box score, the games that they're winning, they have about 24 to 31 assists per win. So this is a team that is playing hard, moving the ball around. And then you have guys that are shooters. You have Kelly Olenek, you have Mike Conley, you have Malik Beasley, you have Jordan Clarkson. And then Euro Laurie is not a fluke. (laughs) Are you sure? It's not hype. Like Laurie Markkinen, we all knew in Chicago, he was a great stretch floor. But we also knew Chicago didn't have it figured out because they, they drafted Wendell Carter Jr. They had Hutchinson and, and these other guys, so we knew they didn't know what they wanted to do with the big man room. Long and Jared, Van, Jared Vanderbilt, one of their big men, uh, man, I'm impressed with him. I like his game ever since the Timberwolves. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, think, I think that's another factor that we don't talk about is their defense. It's not the best. When you have guys like Jared Vanderbilt on the lane with that wristband, and then you have um, – Kelly Olnick and Lori Marketing that can shoot over guys, that's a, a recipe for success. So those are my two picks. Um, I think I think it'd be criminal for me not to name some of their key wins. They beat yeah. Grizzlies twice. They beat the Pelicans. They beat Nuggets. And they beat the Timberwolves. And might I say, they lost that trade. 
<laughs> but I got a question for you. You said uh, Lowry, Euro, Euro Lowry is not a fluke. So are you saying the team's success is not a fluke and that it will continue and we'll see a play play in push or will the pendulum swing and we'll see them in the lottery like I, I, I expect them to? Because I'm not convinced that this Jazz success early on is something that can be sustained. Well, let me say this. The teams that we expected to come off to a hot start, like Golden State, Timberwolves, we, we thought we would see an ascension from Minnesota. It's not happening, right? So now you have teams like Utah that can potentially do a backdoor and and actually, you know, get in the play-in spot or get that number eight seed. I think that's what will happen. I think they'll do a backdoor. I think they'll surprise people because they're playing the right way. They're just playing basketball. When you see the ball in Mike Conley's hands, you can tell, like, that is strategic because you have a guy like Colin Sexton and Jordan Clarkson that can be floor managers and they're playing more of a dynamic role of being on ball and off ball. And that gives you that just opens up the spacing and guys are, are there shooting comfortable threes. So I think it's going to continue because I just think their game plan makes sense on the basketball court. Hey, but talent wins, man, at the end of the day. We'll see. I'm going to take your word for it. But I'm going to watch with a side eye, and I'm waiting on that, that jazz, jazz um, downfall to come. Numbers don't lie. I don't blame you. <laughs> What's going on? What's going on? For the next two teams, I'm going Midwest, United States, and I'm going to Cleveland. Uh, so I got – this team is really playing well. They're 7-1, and one, and they're playing really good basketball, and they're a team that – is way more than I expected. So, I mean, Cleveland was having picking up this debt. A lot of solid players and people haven't really been paying attention to them. And they're like, oh, just another guy going there. But no, I think the Vicker staff has done a great, great job getting his debt in order and really getting him in the roles. They're, they're scoring 116 points a game. That is wild. And they're top six. They're top six in the NBA in offense. So Vicker staff is doing really good. The average is like, you know, Donovan Mitchell is averaging 31 points, four and seven, four threes made. Uh, we got Karis Levert at 15 points a game, Evan Mobley at 15, Jared Allen at 13.6, Darius Garland at 16.5, Darius Garland at 16.5. And that's underwhelming, at least for this right now, like at this time. And then you have Kevin Love with 12.4. You can just see, man, that their scoring is spread out. They're playing unselfish ball, even with the guy that's scoring 30. And so it's 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 looking all right with this Cavs team. We'll see if they're contenders or pretenders. I think y'all will let me know how y'all feel about it. Um, <laughs> First, I want to ask um, real, real quick. Uh, a lot of this has been done without Darius Garland, if I'm not mistaken. Do you think that you'll st still see this team be as fluent with Donovan Mitchell and Garland kind of sharing those touches because Donovan Mitchell has virtually come into this team and is not the best player on it. Do you think they'll be able to continue that, that winning once Garland is healthy and they're playing more games together? Oof, that's a tricky question because we have two scoring guards here. Yeah. But Darius Garland and Mitchell can share the rock. So that's always tough because you don't know how the fit is going to go with, with mm -hmm. those type of guys. I could see it being um, a Dame CJ type of thing. Yeah. You know, that could easily become that type of situation in, situation in the East. So you really, that's interesting um, if they can really play together. I, I think I think so. I think that Darius Garland can space for Mitchell and Mitchell can slash more how he wants and make those threes. He's making four threes a, a game. Yeah. He can space it out for Garland. 
Um, I think what really hurts those guards getting going, like you, like your, you know, get to, to get to your question, it hurts the forwards. I think it hurts mm-hmm. Kyrie Levert and and the big men getting involved as much. So that's concerning to me. I think that. Yeah, if Mitchell and Garland can't play together and they get going, how the other guys going to get going? Yeah. I'm starting to believe that when Solo doesn't like a take, he asks you, is it going to last? <laughs> <laughs> but but here's what I'll say to that. I think if you go yeah. back to Darius Garland's uh, game, dating back to high school, um, McDonald's All-American, the EYBL, Nike EYBL, Darius Garland has always been a guy that can – playmake like i'm talking about like crazy passes but as fast as he is as a player he plays under control at all times yeah. he knows when to score he knows when to pass the ball. right i can't say the same for donovan mitchell but for darius garland it's on his resume he knows when to shoot he knows when to pass the ball he plays under control even when he's changing directions so it always looks like He's making the right decision out there basketball-wise. And for that reason, because you have that guy on that team, I think it'll work out. And I think that on the other side of the ball, the defensive side, when you look at those Twin Towers down there, like the defense I've seen them playing against Boston, I was like, oh, this is in trouble. <laughs> I, I, think it's, I think it could last. Yeah, I agree with your point. And to what Solo was saying was – I think Donovan Mitchell becoming the, the best player on this team, even with a Darius Garland still on there, I think it really helps Darius Garland in the playoffs. Because if you remember, Donovan Mitchell was a really good performer with the Jazz in the playoffs. So I think that really helps that Cavs team somewhat in the playoffs. I think they're going to get there, obviously. They look really good. So I think it may last. I think it may last, but there might be a flame out. I think it might be like a, a Jazz flame out because it might be a Mitchell thing. we'll see on that one offensively i'm not really worried about them it's defensively will jared allen and evan mobley and isaac okoro be enough to make up for that backcourt defensively because donovan mitchell and darius garland aren't the best perimeter defender so you know it's it's seeing if if that those four words are able to switch out on a perimeter and really help out Darius Garland and um, Davin Mitchell on the defensive end. To Mitchell's defense, he does play with active hands. He always has his hands in the passing lane. He's always, he's not always in front of the offensive player, but he kind of sticks to their body and he has a big body frame. So I think it helps a little bit on the defensive end, but yeah, I mean, Jared Allen and, Evan Mobley is carrying most of the load, so I I understand. Heard. All right. Sure. Second team. Okay. So the second team we got is the Indiana Pacers. Oh. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, the Indiana Pacers, they're at, they're at four and five right now. Um, not the best record or anything, but they're really surprising me. You know, you would think that they're going to finish lower in the standings at the end of the year. But the type of basketball that they're playing is really nice. I know they beat my Miami team just recently, like two days ago, I think. Um, beat the Nets and as well. I, yeah, yeah, yes. Um, ben Matherin, man. Ben Matherin is a killer out of Arizona. You can't already, you can't really talk about the Pacers without talking about Ben Matherin. And he's been really, uh, really good, averaging, averaging 21 points a game. Uh, good efficiency, a little bit of a turnover problem, but, you know, that comes with experience and as, uh, as it goes along. Uh, Tyrese uh, Halliburton has really impressed me. 
yes, he has. Man, he's flying around. The other like the other day, he was playing facing Miami. He was flying around making plays. That guy, yo, I, he's gonna be an all star some at some point. Uh, I think he just flies around. He makes plays. He's active. On, he's you know a little bit weak, a little bit you know skinny on the defensive <laughs> end. But he, but it's not to say that he's not trying. He's trying on that defensive end. So, uh, and he's a very good playmaker. And Jimmy. I'm a fan of. Can, can we say another trade loss on that one with Sacramento and Indiana? Easily. Uh, I think easily. a lot of Kings moves are, are off. I don't mean to knock the Kings. Let me not knock the Kings now. Let me, I, I, I'm I interested in the Kings, and Darren Fox just hit a game winner last night. I don't know. He did. Uh, to get on point, yeah, man. I, they they definitely won that trade, the Indiana the Pacers definitely did. Uh, yeah, I, I I thought the Kings are better off trading Fox and building around Halliburton. Now, honestly, I thought that was a super strange trade. But I do want to ask you, uh, your rookie of the year so far, Benedict Matherin or Paolo Benchero? Which, which which person are you leaning towards? Um, That's a good question. I think I'm going to go with Paolo Benchero right now. He's just – he's stacking up those games. Um, yeah. But the thing – you know, it's so early on in the season – it, it depends on who's winning games. If Orlando continues to lose uh, and, and the Pacers continue to impress. And like I said, if, if, continue, if the Pacers continue to impress and you have to, and Ben Matherin is playing good, then you have to continue to keep mentioning his name. You do. And I think that only creates buzz for rookie of the year uh, for him. I think it's going to be a close race. It, it reminds me, uh, it could get that way, but it's still early in the season. But if, if it gets there, I think it will remind me of like a LaMelo and Edwards rookie of the year race. Mm-hmm. where there's just two exceptional talents that you can go either way. And and so, yeah. Yeah, but th- this one is different because oh. no one's seen Benedict coming from a mile away. It was supposed to be Jabari Smith True. or Chad, or and here comes True. this dude named Benedict coming out of nowhere. But I, right. I respect it. And I think that's, that's a great pick. The Pacers look playing some good basketball. I'm a fan of Jalen Smith, man, being like a basketball Dang. nerd. Jalen Smith. I was like, you know, I'm a Miami guy, so I'm like, oh, I need, need a forward. Mm-hmm. I'm over here scouting him before the draft, and he was impressive at Maryland. I'm like, this guy's dunking all over people and stuff, shooting threes. So I was impressed with Jalen Smith. And then when he got to the league, uh, you know, it just didn't really work out right off the bat or anything with the Suns, yeah. and the Suns weren't really getting, giving him the minutes. So it's really good to see Jalen Smith get it some time because he's really shining. He's scoring 11 points a game. Definitely. He's getting involved with them. Yeah, and don't forget Chris Duarte, bro, is the oldest rookie I think in his draft class, and he's out I here looking like, like a veteran. Really, I mean, it's early. He's a he's a it's volume early. shooter, but I think um, from his progress from from him his play last season, I've yeah. given him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because I know the scorer he can be. No, yeah. I, I think he was like he's, he's been facing a little bit of injury problems this yeah. this uh, early this season, so uh, hopefully he can he can work through it. Who knows? Because you know, sophomore slumps, you never yeah, know. Definitely. That that reminded me, like you told me, you were talking about earlier. You were talking about how Simon's, you felt like Simon's was not him. Yeah. And you, you know, I have, I have to bring that up. I remember that, you know. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I, I, I was thinking it. about him, like Simon's was in like his, was he in the second year last year or his third? He he was so Simon's been in the league three years. So he was in the second year. I, I just yeah. felt like he he was, I felt like he just it was like getting into a new role. He was just becoming him last year. Yeah. So I think like I think that uh, he's getting the keys a lot more, a lot more usage in, in the Trailblazers um, offense, and it's it's looking great. 
Yeah, I hope Benedict can continue to be good so the, the uh, Pacers can trade uh, some pieces to build around him and maybe send Miles Turner to Brooklyn, baby, you know, because we, we need that stretch five <laughs> and he barely playing as it's going. So, you know, trade Miles Turner, build around Benedict. Man, you know what, man? I'm not even mad about that. Miles Turner will really help you guys. I think he has spaced the floor with you guys and then yep. block shots. That's all y'all need. That's yeah. all y'all need is a spacer and somebody that block shots. Hey, yep. you know, I don't want to see that as a Miami fan. I don't want to see y'all get <laughs> anybody, but you know, because it's scary always when that happens sometimes. But yeah. you know, Miles Turner, I still think Bam's better. Yeah, uh, of course. <laughs> and whenever we play, y'all Bam turns into Superman. So I, I don't think yeah. you have much to worry about. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, Miles Turner be a super solid fit for the next man. He, he'll cover two holes that didn't make sense. Agreed. Yo, it's Poppy Solo, and I'm on the Hoops Galore podcast, one of the best NBA podcasts in the world. And thank you for listening.